Welcome to Married by Design. If you struggle with depression, where is your focus? Is it only on your struggles of the things that you're facing, or do you have a broader view of life and the things that God is doing around you? That's what we'll be looking at on this episode of Married by Design. The purpose of the Married by Design podcast is to encourage couples to enjoy all that God has for them in their marriage relationship. Welcome back to this week's episode of Married by Design. We have been in a series entitled Spiritual Depression. We've been looking at scripture to try to combat the struggle that many have of being depressed emotionally and spiritually. Our primary text that we've been looking at is 1 Kings 19. It's the story of the prophet Elijah. After he had had a tremendous victory by God's hand in chapter 18 against the prophets of Baal, he sinks down into a deep depression when he's threatened by Jezebel. We've been looking at this passage and some other related passages to help us understand spiritual depression. We've looked at some of the causes of this type of depression, and we're looking in this chapter at some of the solutions. We've looked at the danger of isolation. We've discussed the need for us to take care of ourselves physically to combat depression. And we've looked at the importance of our connection with the Lord that was seen in Elijah's journey to Horeb. We've also looked at our thinking. How often it is that when we're depressed, we find that our thoughts are skewed and very unbiblical. We looked last time at some of Martin Lloyd-Jones' suggestions of the ways that our thinking can get off and how that leads or contributes to depression. This week on our podcast, we want to look at another aspect of depression. This is a tendency that we all have to be focused on ourselves and what we're going through to the exclusion of all else that's happening around us we can fall into the trap of self-focus. That can be very addicting and very harmful to our outlook. When we fall into that trap, we can miss the things that God is doing around us and lose the hope that we should have. That's right. Let's look back in 1 Kings 19. Elijah was in quite a despair. We looked in verse 4 at his desire for his life to end. He said, It's enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Elijah actually asked the Lord to end his life. This is an amazing request considering the fact that God had just used Elijah in credible ways in the chapter before to bring revival to the nation of Israel. He should have seen that his life was not just about himself and what he was going through. It was also about the things that God wanted to do through him and the ministry that he would have. But he lost sight of all those opportunities and was so focused on himself that he just wanted to end his life. We looked last week at ver- verses um, 10 and 14 as Elijah complained, saying that the people had forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. As we said in the last episode, Elijah's thinking was way off, but also noticed that he was solely focused on himself. Elijah had shifted his attention from God's glory in preaching to the nation of Israel onto his own condition. He thought that even the people of Israel were seeking his life. You don't see that in these chapters. He was so wrapped up in himself that he wanted for his life to end at this point. This is a real trap that someone can fall into when they're struggling with depression. The person can tend to allow their whole focus to be on themselves and what they're going through the struggles that they have, and the things that they have to face. It could lead them to the point of wanting to end their life through suicide 
or as Elijah did here, to ask the Lord to end their life. The way through this mire of self-focus is to begin to shift your attention back to the things that God wants you to do in other people's lives and the ministry and opportunities that he has for you. To become other-focused rather than self-focused. To take your eyes off of yourself and your challenges and begin to realize and see that other people have struggles too and God can use you in their lives. This is exactly what God was going to do for Elijah. You've seen in verses 15 through 18 that God had much more in store for Elijah. He had to raise up other leaders and lead those 7,000 who had not compromised their faith. Elijah had to call Elisha into the ministry at the end of chapter 19. As you read on in 1 Kings, you see Elijah's continued ministry. In chapter 21, Elijah confronts Ahab. That confrontation had a great effect on the king. Elijah did go through some struggles and faced danger. He denounced Ahaziah in 2 Kings chapter 1. Some pretty powerful judgments through Elijah. And then you have the glorious chapter of 2 Kings chapter 2 where Elijah is taken up to heaven. That finally was God's time for Elijah to go home. After he'd done all the ministry that God was calling him to do. This is so key to dealing with depression. Typically, the person that struggles with depression is only focused on what they're facing and what they're going through and feeling. God calls us in our lives as believers to have an other-oriented attitude, to be selfless in our lives, to see the opportunities for ministry, and generally to love others. This is where you go back to the greatest commandments that Jesus talks about in the Gospels. This is in Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 to 40. And in that it says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And in verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. There's a number of interesting applications that we can miss in what Jesus says. First of all, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. We are to have a single devotion to Him, to seeing how lovely He is, and being enamored with Him, and to give Him our whole heart and mind. I find that a challenge when I'm discouraged. When I'm discouraged, my heart is divided between the Lord and the love I have for Him and my own concerns about myself and the things that I'm facing. I find that I really have more of a love for myself because I'm more focused on my good and what I want. This is a good application for moving our thoughts away from ourselves. We have to realize that we have been focusing on ourselves and We need to love God with all our hearts, our minds, and our souls. This means turning our whole attention to Him and His good, to worshiping Him and loving Him with all our hearts, not part of our hearts. If you really do this, you won't be focusing on yourself for the things that you're going through and the way that you feel. And we're not suggesting that there's not a place for grief and there's not a time to evaluate and work through the issues that you're facing. But where's your heart? Is it given to the Lord, or are you focused on yourself and your situation? This is the same thing that we can face in our our marriages. That's right. If I'm loving my wife as God calls me to sacrificially, Paul says in Ephesians 5 that I should love her as I love myself. Paul assumes that I already love myself. 
I readily admit that. I have a tendency to care about myself and my needs and what I want. What God calls me to do as a husband is to focus on what my wife needs and what she wants. That is to the exclusion, usually, of myself. I am called to cherish my wife and to die to myself in the same way that Christ died for the church. That means to give up my own rights, my own desires, my own goals. That is a paradigm shift in our concept of love that can dramatically change the way that we handle depression and discouragement. If we are so in love with Jesus, if we see him as a treasure in the field that we have found, and we sell everything to buy the field, that captivating love for Christ will begin to drown out the things that are discouraging us. We don't focus on them, but on our beautiful Savior. Again, we're not suggesting that you would never again be discouraged, but when you find yourself starting to struggle with depression, just ask yourself whether you are loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. One of the things that I love to do is to turn on worship music. Just listening to the music and singing along with it begins to turn my heart away from my concerns and my struggles and my frustrations back to the Lord, who is worthy of my attention and my love. But don't stop there. Notice also the second commandment that Jesus talks about. He says in verse 39, And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Love your neighbor as yourself. Notice here that there are not three commandments. There's not a commandment to love God, to love others, and also love yourself. I'm not sure of any place in Scripture where we are commanded to love ourselves. That's because loving ourselves is something that we naturally do. This is why Paul in Ephesians 5 tells us, as I said, that we're supposed to love our wives as we love ourselves. This is why Jesus here says that we're supposed to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. They're describing the kind of love that we're supposed to have for others. If we think about the way that we love ourselves, the way that we protect ourselves and care for ourselves and look out for ourselves, that's the way that we're supposed to love others. We naturally provide for ourselves and take care of ourselves. That's what we're supposed to do for our wife and our neighbor. If you live this out, it will have a profound effect on your depression. What needs to happen when we struggle with discouragement and depression is that we need to begin to orient our thinking away from ourselves and on to others. We may have concerns about things that we need to deal with, but we need to purposely turn our focus towards others. How is it that I can serve and love my husband and encourage him? How is it that I can reach out to my neighbor and minister and encourage them? When you begin to ask those questions, you may feel that the depression begins to lift. Jesus really did have it right in so many ways when he said that if we want to follow him, we have to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. He realized that the hardest thing was for us to relinquish the focus and attention on ourselves and our lives and put it on him and his ministry. To realize that we're really here to have an impact for the kingdom of God while we're on the earth. Our main goal can't be to feel good all the time. That's why I think Paul can rejoice in prison, because his whole attention was not on his circumstances, but on God's kingdom and what God was doing despite what he was going through. I love the two verses in Proverbs 11, uh, this is verses 24 to 25. It says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. 
another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. It's a double picture of having that giving, other-centered heart. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. The one who waters will himself be watered. It's in the giving and the watering that we find real joy and the blessing of life. When we remain self-focused, we're choosing the harder way that may include misery. That was the case for Jonah in the Old Testament book of Jonah. God called this prophet to go and preach to the Ninevites because the Lord was concerned about the Ninevites. He had a heart for the lost. But Jonah had no such heart, but was self-focused. God put him through the ringer, and he finally went and preached, and there was an incredible revival. Yeah, do you see the contrast of God's selfless compassion for the lost and Jonah's self-focus? Jonah was the one that was miserable and angry in chapter 4. It says that Jonah was exceedingly displeased and angry at the first part of chapter 4. He wanted, like Elijah, for his life to end. It flowed out of his self-focus. That was illustrated by having the vine grow to shade Jonah. He loved and enjoyed that because it helped him. All about him and not about helping others. But God had a different heart and calls us to have that same heart. A concern for others, an increasingly outward looking away from ourselves to the needs of others. That's what Elijah gained in 1 Kings 19. He had to move away from his self-focus and discouragement to the ministry that God was calling him to. The building up of his ministry team and the subsequent ministry that you would see him have in the later chapters. That's right. The Lord pulled Elijah out of himself and put him back on the path that he should have been on, looking at the way that he was called to help others and to speak for the Lord. Well, that covers it for this week. We hope that you have been encouraged. Some of the concepts are very challenging, but we can see the power of God's Word to help us address issues in our heart that will move us into a better place. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to spend some time in prayer and ask God to what extent you've been focused on yourself rather than Him and others. If that is the case, we encourage you right now to take a step and have some time of worship to focus on the Lord and love Him or make a decision to minister to somebody around you. If you do that, we suggest that you will find your spirits begin to lift. Well, let me pray. Father, I just thank you for uh, these truths. God, how much you challenge us to be other-oriented and and the blessing and the joy of that. Uh, Father, we think about the times in our lives that we have sacrificially given and served others, and and the result of that, the fruit in our life, uh, Lord, is that encouragement. So I pray for each person that's listening to this, if they see that self-focused heart, that you would give them the grace and the encouragement to be other-focused and to see the things that you'll do in their lives, Lord. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we want to thank you for joining us in this podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast uh, just by using the link. We also encourage you to share this podcast episode with uh, others. We want to get the word out about this ministry and encourage as many people as we can. We'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas, suggestions, or questions, you can email us at marriedbydesign01 at gmail.com. Next week on our podcast, we're going to see the last suggestion in 1 Kings 19. We look this week at turning away from ourselves. Next week, we're going to see the excitement of 
the ways to minister to others that will lift us out of depression. That's what we'll be looking at next time on Married by Design. Mm-hmm.